0: It's The Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is The Last Stand. I am Brian Custer. We bring you the biggest names in sports, entertainment. i tell you what, we got a big one here. And he comes from the sport of football, the NFL. Six-time Pro Bowler. Spent 15 years in the NFL. Third in receiving yards. He's a Hall of Famer. Folks, get your popcorn ready. He's none other than Terrell Owens. T.O., welcome to The Last Stand. I'm good, man. Terrell. Terrell Owens. Terrell. What's up? You started started out good. You started out right. (laughs) (laughs) T.O., let's ask you, first of all, how are you uh, doing? Because I I saw you made news uh, quite recently because you said it's scary in these times right now being a black man. Expound on that.
1: Um. I, first of all, I'm I'm doing good. Um, and and also, yeah, I think you know. When I say scared, I'm not like you know. I'm not just walking around looking over my shoulders left and right. But when you think about you know now I have kids. Um, and, and being just a black person, uh, in America, in America right now, um, it's it's difficult to really stomach and and watch what's been happening. Um, obviously, especially with as recent as um obviously the Jacob Blake uh shooting um seven shots to the back um prior to that um uh, the guy in Atlanta and then prior to that and which had really just really just got this movement going is the the death of of George George Floyd and honestly uh again man I I have kids uh girls and boys um I've already had you know conversations um with with most of them um to to really just again, have that conversation about, you know, if they ever get stopped and what's going on in, in America right now. Um, because again, it's it's not something that they can hide from. Um, when you talk about a pandemic, um, social in, uh, injustice, uh, sh- social, uh, racial inequality, um, this is a pandemic that's been going on for, for, for the black race for some time now. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm not looking over my shoulders. I'm scared. But you know, just understanding that my kids, uh, they could be one of those people that I that I have mentioned. Um, you think about Brianna Taylor um, you know, being killed um with a no-knock warrant, you know, and those cops um shooting blindly uh into apartment. Man, it's 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 this is this is a scary time to be to be a black American period because when you think about the even the deaths since May twenty fifth when George uh, Floyd um got killed. Um it's like we're getting killed at an alarming rate. So um that's 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 my sentiments. That, that's that's my my thoughts on that.
0: We've seen how the NBA uh tried to use their social activism, um, especially wearing the shirts, uh responding in interviews and things, and now all of a sudden the NFL looks like it is coming around. What do you think NFL players' responsibility is to this movement?
1: I think, you, um, I think unifying, getting together, um, if they can gain anything from what the NBA players are doing and have done, um, that's developing a brotherhood, especially those guys uh, of color, those black, black and brown guys that make up the National Football League, and it's over 70%. Um, they have to understand the leverage uh, in, in which they have, um, and I think a lot of these guys um, – they're selfish in a number of ways because they're looking at the, the dollar, um, the dollar amount, um, the amount of money that they feel like they may lose um, if they go out and stand in the forefront of something um, such as this. You know, such as standing up you know, for yourself, standing up for uh, the black community, the black race, because I think everybody's uh, scared to lose their lose their job, just as uh, Colin Kaepernick did. Um, And I think they have to be educated and really knowing how they can use their voice, um, how powerful uh, their voices are. Um, They have to understand that if they unify, um, just like those NBA players are doing, stand together against those owners, um, not only just for for these social causes, but just the causes. Uh, that they want demands that they want and I feel like they they that's needed in the National Football League when you talk about the amount of money generated with the National Football League versus basketball and baseball combined it's a billion dollar industry industry NFL generates that much money um, to where they can they can guarantee these players' contracts, and obviously that's a little bit different than the social causes. But this is what I'm talking about. If these guys, these black players, understand the leverage that they have and understand the components that are involved and in how they can put these owners um, pretty much a backs against a the wall, they can get what they want.
0: Terrell, do you, do you do you believe these the NFL and its owners will be? More accepting um, this season of their players' social activism and allowing them to express it more freely.
1: Um, Yes, uh, considering the climate that we're in, um, I don't think that you're going to see any owners come out um, and 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 have pushback. Um, They're not going to come out and 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 publicly say um, that they're not for it. Um, Sometimes silence speaks volumes. Um, When you think about you know. Owners in positions of power, uh, namely and notably uh, Jerry Jones. Um, When you think about um, guys that have come out and said that why you know have questioned why he hasn't come out and said anything you know towards um, you know toward this movement toward the um, any actions um, that have been displayed across the country. Um, And as I said, sometimes uh, silence uh, speaks volumes. Um, When you think about some of the players that have played. For Jerry Jones, you think of Michael Irving, uh the black players, for that matter, the Leon Letts, uh, the Emmitt Smiths. Um I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised that the guy, these guys haven't spoken up um, against the fact that he hasn't said anything. Um, but I, I, I get it. I understand that these guys have, I guess, showing some type of loyalty toward uh Jerry Jones because I'm sure Jerry Jones have helped them along the way, have gotten them out of trouble, obviously have paid them millions of dollars. Um at the de- end of the day, when you look at Jerry Jones and um the, the power that and the position that he's in, um I think some of these players are starting to realize like yeah, he could be part of the problem just the fact that he hasn't said anything. Um when you talk about Black Lives Matter, um for me, how I look at it, um and how I think Jerry Jones look at black lives is Black lives only matter um, unless they're doing something for him. They're winning championships or they're winning ball games for him. Uh, They're putting money and putting seat, uh, putting people in the seats um, in that stadium, uh, generating money to 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 fund um, to pay for that billion-dollar stadium. Um, That's what I see: is that black lives only matter when it's benefiting him.
0: And, you know, he, he had taken a lot of criticism for being silent, especially in, allowing, in light of the death of George Floyd. And when he was pressed about whether or not allowing his players to kneel during the national anthem, his response was grace. That uh, grace for me, grace for everyone, that, that should be the answer for everything. Let's just have grace with one another and their opinions uh, on, the, on these stances. What, what did you take from that?
1: Um, I think that was a cop out. Um, I think that was a safe answer. Um, he didn't really identify or uh, didn't really answer um, I think the questions or uh, any of the, the issues that, that, that is um, going on um, in the country right now. Um, as I said, sometimes silence speaks volumes and the fact that he didn't address it I think directly um, I think it, it, spe- it says a lot. And again, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm shocked, but I'm not really shocked that guys like Michael Irvin, uh, Emmett Smith, um, guys, uh, especially these uh, African-American, these black guys that are uh, players that have played for Jerry and understanding um, the lives, uh, especially the black race that are, that is, like I said, we're being killed at an alarming rate. Um, again, some of these guys, like I said, they have powerful voices. They have, they have platforms. Um, I don't, I don't care how much money a guy has paid me, um, especially if it's a white guy or any other guy. Um, but if you feel like uh, someone is, 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 is really being insensitive, I think, to uh, what's going on, um, regardless of he was your, your owner or whatever the case may be, then I'm going to speak out. I'm going to address the issue because uh, at the end of the day, um, money's not going to – I mean, you're not going to go to the grave with any amount of money. Uh, I think if anything, you're going to go to grade with your dignity, um, your character. And I think for me, those guys not saying anything, uh, speaking out on behalf of the, of the black community, it says a lot for, about them as well.
0: Mm. And, and I'm, I'm sure uh, when, when guys, especially even those guys, when they see this, they may, they may say, wait, who are you to tell us what we have? You don't know what we've been doing. What would be your response? I'm, I'm sure when they hear this. I mean it's been four or five months it's been four or five months and
1: what, what 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 are you doing? I mean you can't be doing anything greater than the nBA is doing um, behind closed doors uh, to where it's not visible I, I, yeah if you're doing something behind closed doors um, at least like I said make it let let it be known um, but again it's it's been four or five months since jo- the death of George Floyd and it's been a couple of others uh since then so um, that's for me, like I said, if, you, if they want to come with a statement, um, some rebuttal, uh, such as that, like I said, actions speak louder than words to me.
0: Let's talk about, uh, some football, um, cause this is right in your wheelhouse. So much movement, uh, in the off season, uh, Cam to the Patriots, Tom Brady, uh, to the Buccaneers. What about the Super Bowl this year? Who do you see powerhouse? Is there a powerhouse AFC, NFC? Who do you see in the big game? I think the the moves that you
1: mentioned I think it it, it offers some parity uh within both divisions uh within the league uh, for that matters um obviously I mean you have uh the Super Bowl champions in the in the Kansas City Chiefs in the in the AFC um obviously I think when you look at the AFC they're the favorites um out of the NFC um I think it's a toss up I don't think anybody really stands out uh in my mind right now um so again like I said there's a lot of parity Um, going into this year with also the uncertainty um, about the the entirety of the season. So um, we just got to figure out and see how it starts and how it ends.
0: Do you like uh, the current state of the game and the current NFL where there's obviously a a big emphasis on scoring, uh, the receiver, uh, the position that you played and played very well, and and all of a sudden the running back that kind of de-emphasized the running back in the running game. Do you like the current state of the game? Um, I do. I think with the, how the running
1: backs are being used now, um, they're being used as, hy- as hybrids uh, in a sense. I think when you can have a running back that offers that versatility, um, that's able to carry the rock, like I said, it may not be 20, 30, 40 carries, um, but I think in, on an average, you know, uh, maybe 15 to 20 carries a game and obviously um, insert themselves into the pass game um, to really kind of offset you know, uh, depending on the offense, uh, depending on the, the coach and the team. Um, but, yeah, you look at the, the, the inflation of numbers over the last probably like five to ten years, um, obviously you see that there's um, – there, the ball is being thrown a lot more uh, down the field. So when you look at uh, the totality, um, again, you look at the number of guys um, whose, whose stats ha- have really just – has risen over the course of, of the years. Um, obviously it's, it's due to the style of play, um, but I, you know, being a receiver, I would welcome that, uh, especially getting the, the number of targets that some of these guys get. Um, yeah. You look at uh, when Calvin Johnson left, I think he was, I think, first uh, 2000 uh, receiving yards or what have you um, that that's uh, that's, that's, that's remarkable in itself. But when you think about the receivers um, that's playing the game today um, you think about the Julio Joneses, Um uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, um, these are guys, uh, Michael Thomas. Um, these are guys that, that, that has a catch radius and can do a lot of things um, with, you know, um, run after catch.
0: You know, I, I, when you retired, I mean, listen, you're already third. Still, you're still third in receiving yards. You were third in catches. I mean, you were, you were right up there when you retired. What kind of numbers would T.O. put up in this NFL?
1: Um, I mean, I mean, I could, I, if, if I was given the opportunity to play right now, a uh, full season, um, I, I definitely feel that I would, I mean, obviously not playing 75, you know, snaps, but I, I could definitely be a valuable uh, contributing factor uh, and option on a team. I would say even you know, today, I would definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, 800 to a thousand yards for sure. Um, when you talk about, how I can be utilized, depending on uh, the scheme, the coach or whatever uh, what have you uh, a coach understanding uh, what i 'm capable of doing, third down situation, you think about red zone, uh, you think about who's their, who's their number one who's their number two uh the the tight end situation those are those are the type of uh, plays uh, that I feel like I would be able to uh,
0: thrive on, and what about in your prime, what kind of numbers if you oh were in, if the, if you were in your prime and the state of the game is like it is now, what kind of numbers would T.O. put up?
1: I'm 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 easily knocking at the door at at, at, at two thousand yards, you know, easily, easily, um, especially like I said with the number of targets um, and with you know, how these guys, uh, these quarterbacks are, are are throwing the ball, um, being a vital part, being the number one receiver. Um, being able to uh again not take a lot of hits um just being able to play free um so again that that in itself uh enables a receiver obviously to to have um, more run after catch um being able to 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 ex- you know take advantage of of defenses um that you know that can't hit defenseless uh receivers uh
0: let's let's talk about uh, a guy who I was reading had been compared to you because of, they said, talented, yet all, seems to have a mercurial uh, personality and issues with his team, and Antonio Brown. Um, what advice would you give him if you could talk to him?
1: Mm, I mean, I've talked to Antonio, and uh, for whatever reason, um, I kind of knew when, when, when we spoke. Um, And when I addressed him, I was like, "Yo, you may not talk to me after this or what have you." But understanding kind of what he was going through, what I've been through, and me speaking and coming from a place of wisdom, um, you know, I had those conversations with him to um, to. Really, just sometimes you kind of just take you know, take some steps back. Um, Obviously, there are some things that were uh, you know uh, uh, being revealed through social media or what have you, and some of those personal things. Um, obviously should be kept in house Um, I understood um, we talked uh, a couple of times about some of the things that happened um, there in Pittsburgh Um, I gave him my advices for us you know how to address those depending on what he asked me Um, obviously with the relationship that he had I I will say that I felt that with him being being there in in Pittsburgh I guess around like eight nine years um, he should have the comfort level to be able to talk to uh being Roethlisberger, man to man. Um and obviously the fact that he was, you know, asking for my advice at how to approach that situation uh, let me know that there was a lot of tension there and he wasn't as comfortable uh as one would think, um, being that they had spent you know so many years together in the locker room, um, you know, going through the grind of, of training camps, this is where again, he's his number one receiver. That's his number one QB. Um so again when you have um two guys uh, in an organization on that one roof, and they, they can't really communicate man-to-man or, you know, outside of, uh, outside of that locker room to address issues, then there, there is a problem. Um, but I think, first and foremost, uh, Antonio obviously has to do what's best for Antonio um, Brown and his family. Um, all the other stuff is the extra stuff. I think, you know, it comes with uh, it comes with growth. Growth. Uh, It's a maturation process. I think we all go through it. I think I'm sure maybe he'll look back and and see how he could have handled a lot or some of those things differently. Um, But at the end of the day, I came from a a genuine place when I offered my advice. And um, I mentioned, I was like, yo, we may not be friends after this, but uh, afterwards. Um, But I gave him my honest honest opinion, um, you know, and he took it for what it was.
0: And um,
1: like I said, I haven't talked to Antonio really since then.
0: Mm. Uh, and when you look at today's NFL and especially the receivers today, which one most resembles T.O.?
1: Um, I pro- uh, probably Julio Jones. Um, when you think about, um, you know, the catch radius and, and really kind of what he does with and without the football. Um, obviously, um, I would definitely say his, his, his catch radius is far greater, greater than mine ever was. Um, but when you talk about the speed, um, just how he attacks the ball um, what happens once he's the ball in his hands um, and just being able to uh, be able to run every route in the route tree and being that viable option um, when you think about and go back to the Super Bowl um, that they were winning but ultimately eventually lost um, he's a guy that's a go-to guy you got to keep keep going to the you got not keep going to the well uh, until it to, until until the end, uh, as we saw, you can't leave any time on the clock uh, with any team, especially with any quarterback like Tom Brady. Um, that came back to, to haunt him. Uh, when you have a guy like uh, uh, Julio Jones and he's, and he's eating, he can't be stopped. You feed him. You feed him till he, till he, can't, get, till he, till he can't get enough. It's just like playing basketball. When a guy's hot, you keep going to him until he cools off.
0: Uh, one guy who's taken a lot of criticism of late, obviously because he got injured, um, didn't have the season that he had in the past, was Odell Beckham. And you, you have, have talked about that the criticism of Odell Beckham uh, isn't fair. Tell us why.
1: Because um, I think when you look at, you know, numbers or what have you, number one, you, 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 the, greater, the, the best ability that anybody can, can have is availability. And obviously he was hurt uh, this past year, I'm sure, leaving uh, Giants um, uh, organization. He wanted to come, uh, go to uh, the Cleveland Browns, and and really show um, what type of receiver uh, that he is, and build on what he had built there in uh, in that 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 blue blue and white and red uniform with the New York Giants. But when you look at statistics, um, sometimes they can be misleading, uh, especially from a fan perspective or when analysts are breaking down film. And obviously, you see the highlights, this and that and the other, and you see that. Uh, during a game, Antonio Brown um, maybe had like maybe say 50, 50 to eighty yards or, or or somewhere around there, and he had he caught only two balls, and uh, it was out of ten. You know what I mean? But some of those balls may not have been catchable. You know what I mean? But that's going to be a direct reflection on on his stats and what he didn't do. Um, they're not they're not going to take into account. Um, if they if the the, the analyst, uh, analyst or the commentator is not breaking it down and really giving you the facts of why he was two for uh, caught two balls out of ten targets or two or five out of fifteen, um, they're not going to break it down and, and really be uh, forthcoming and transparent as to what happened to the other uh, uh, targets that, that he missed or wasn't caught. And so that's why I say that sometimes it's unfair and you look at you again, you look at the numbers, and obviously they're down from a year before um, year prior. that's because number one injuries again, a lot has to factor into uh, his quarterback. He's only as good as his quarterback and no knock on 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 Baker mayfield. He as a quarterback has to be better at ball placement, um, things of that nature, which factors into a receiver's production.
0: Mm, interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about you in your football career. So you know, two years ago, man, uh, long overdue, they finally vote you into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You became the first Hall of Famer, though, to skip your own induction ceremony. Uh, you held your own ceremony, of course, at your alma mater at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Tell us why.
1: Um, I just felt like uh according to the criteria, the mission statement um uh, in which um the Hall of Fame uh embodies, um I think when you talk about the criteria, I, I checked all those boxes and for two years, um, you know, um I don't get I, I don't I I don't get inducted. And they have um uh, guys that, you know, far less uh statistic wise, statistically um they just weren't up there, and they get in before me. So um, we think about systemic racism. I'm sure we'll we've talked a touch of, uh, on that. Um, I think again that plays a part in it too. When you look at uh, the writers and the voters um, that ultimately induct guys into the Hall of Fame, uh, I think they've in, I think they've added maybe one or two uh, more African American guys. I think out of the 46. Um, uh, guys that vote, select guys to get into the Hall of Fame. I think maybe three three out of the 46 or 48 um, are African-Americans. So that's that's well over 90%. So um, I think I fell victim to that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I felt like my body of work uh, spoke for itself. When you're, at that time, number two and number three, all-time behind the greatest receiver of all time uh, with J- and Jerry Rice, of whom... Um, I got the the, the pleasure of, of playing with for about four or five years. Um, for me, it was an ultimate, like, you know, disrespect, um, slapping my face uh, and really to the body of work that I, that I put out there on the football field. So um, at the end of the day, I think everybody realizes that uh, I'm a person. I'm going to speak from my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to move um, to the beat of my own drum. Um, but at, it's not to the point that I felt like, you know, I was trying to big up or, or really outshine or be bigger than the Hall of Fame. I just felt like I was bringing some attention and some awareness to what a lot of guys uh, have been saying for so many, many years. Um, the process is flawed. Um, obviously, um, you look at now the disparity in white voters and black, and black, black voters, um, then that needs to be addressed as well. Um, my, for whatever reason, um, when it came for me to be inducted into the Ho- to the Hall of Fame, I think Jeremiah Trotter said that uh, that's the first time that they've had uh, an extensive, extensive meetings or, or gatherings or talks about, you know, someone getting into the Hall of Fame when it, re- as it related to me. So um that lets me know, man, that obviously, like I said, I'm a special individual. Um At the end of the day, uh, I felt like, I was doing what, what was best for me, uh, my family. Um, I wasn't going to let my family down. Uh, my, I talked to my family about, you know, the possibility of going or not going. They were in full support, 100%. They were just as pissed as I was at the fact that, you know, um, they just, you know, like I said, they took, I guess, personal um, vendettas against me, whatever that may have been. Um, like I said, they went outside of the scope of the criteria in which guys are supposed to be um, nominated and inducted. Um, and like I said, it was just a matter of just, you know, just major disrespect, you know, as it related to me. So I, I had those talks with uh, the president, David Baker, about um, the steps that I was going to take leading up to uh, my decision um, and even uh, the day um, that I had my ceremony. So um, I tried to be respectful as I, as I could and I did it the best way and I did it my way.
0: Do you think that you will have open arms amongst the members when you go back? And will will you Uh, go back? Go back? Will you go to Canton? Will you go to the ceremonies uh, here in the future? um, I don't have any desire to.
1: I mean, some of those guys, uh, they don't, they don't know me on a personal level. They just know uh, about what they've heard of me. Um, You know, from a media portrayal uh, standpoint or perception. um, If they don't like me because of that, then so be it. I don't owe them anything. They don't owe me anything. Um, I don't like I said I, I, didn't, I didn't I wasn't raised that way to uh, to go out of my way to please anybody um, like I said I know who I am as a person um, I'm a very respectful person um, everything that I've that I've that I've gotten in life it, 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 it came at the at the expense of my hard work so whether those guys you know feel like you know I disres- disrespected them or the Hall of Fame that's a personal problem that's their problem um, the guys that I've spoken to that are in the Hall of Fame uh, there are some guys that respect what I did um, there. I've gotten, you know, I got messages um, when it was happening, after it was happening and they applaud me for my stance. And so, you know, there are guys that, that, that have basically said, if, if they feel like they they're getting um, they're getting the run of the mill and they're being disrespected, they may take the same approach. Um, it wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to, or I needed to be the first to do it. Um, I talked to a number of uh, uh, Hall of Famers um, that basically said that they were they were in my shoes and they were going to do the exact same thing. But when it came down to it, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't go through it. They didn't follow through with it. I think anybody that knows me, if I say that I'm going to do something, I'm 99% probably sure that I'm go, I'm going I'm going I'm going to do it. So, like I said, it was uh, something that I felt like I needed to do. Um, where we are as a country, I think you have to stand up for who you are and what you believe in. And, like I said, I'm the first to do it. If it's history um, in the making or history made, then so be it.
0: Yeah. Was there at any time uh, – because there were a couple of years where we were like, I can't believe they haven't put you in in the hall. But was there a, a certain player or a certain place that went in where you were like, okay, this is a vendetta against me. How does this guy get in and I don't?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, number one was uh, Marvin Harrison. His stats weren't as 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 great as mine um but again and he had some off the field issues that were um that were questionable um when you talk about things that have you know off the field i've had none of those um if you want to factor or or bring that into the equation then i would have been a slam dunk because i was outspoken that's not that's that's not something that's not a criteria in which you 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 minimize um a guy's character or minimize his chances uh, of getting into the hall of fame. Um, I'm one of those guys, like I said, I've I've never had any off the field issues. There are guys that have had far greater uh, issues or problems uh, uh, often on the field um, that have gotten in, but based on, like I said, the, the criteria, uh, the mission statement of the hall of fame, I checked all those boxes.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, your career. We'll go through, uh, uh, some of the teams. Obviously, we started at, at San Francisco, third-round pick. You're playing behind, as you talked about uh, Jerry Rice, the GOAT people call him. You had Steve Young as quarterback. What was that like? How how do you when you look back at your 49er years? What do you think? Um, I made the most of my
1: opportunities. I had some great coaches that um, that that grew me um, to be the receiver that I became. Um, they basically, again, drafted. And, uh, again, as coaches, that's what they're supposed to do. Um, I had potential. That's what I was drafted um, basically uh, from. Um, obviously, I was tall. Um, I fit the mold of uh, the 49er receivers. We talk about 6'1", six 6'2", six, six, and above. Um, my physical attributes, um, obviously, I think is what attracted, to, uh, attracted uh, me to them. Um, you think about John Taylor, the receivers, uh, Mike Sherrard, um, obviously JJ Stokes being drafted a couple years or a year before, um, Jerry Rice, I fit that mode. And so the coaches that I had, number one, um, my first few years was Larry Kirksey, my position coach, Larry Kirksey. And then, um, shortly after he was, uh, he was fired on uh, George Stewart, who coached our special teams, um, my first few years. And then, um, they um basically uh basically uh promoted him to um, the receiver uh head, excuse me the receiver position uh head uh position coach and he did the best job that he could um uh, for me number one to be who I was um learn under Jerry learn uh under JJ and I was a sponge you know I did what I could and should have been doing um on and off the field as far as uh, trying to perfect uh, and being the best version of, of, of a receiver that I could be. Um, obviously Jerry and, and, and JJ, they set the barometer, they set the standard uh, in which, you know, receivers are supposed to play how you run routes. Um, I had a lot of uh, development um, to, to, to do in my first couple of years to become the receiver that I became.
0: Hmm. And, and it seems like at, at, and especially whether it was San Fran, Philly, Dallas, it, 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 it ended badly. Why, why do you think it ended badly in San Fran, where it began? Why do you think it ended badly?
1: Um, I think uh, for a number of reasons. I think the, the coach at the time, um, um, Steve Mariucci, um, for whatever reason, a young coach, um, honestly, I think when I look back on it, um, he wanted to really, I think, wanted to be the pulse of the team. And, uh, and instead of just allowing the players uh, to go out there and play and win games, um, it was almost like he wanted to be at the for- forefront of the success uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and and it happens to a lot of young coaches that I think, you know, sometimes are not even qualified for the job. I mean, I think he was at Cal. Uh, it wasn't anything at Cal Berkeley. I don't think there was anything about his resume uh, or his coaching ability at Cal Berkeley that qualified him to be the, uh, replacement for George Stewart, who is a all of the Hall of Fame Super uh, Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl coach. When you think about now, fast forward to now. You think about some of the young coaches that aren't qualified that are getting job opportunities um, ahead of some of these African American uh, coaches or what have you. I think that's what happened. Uh, we clashed uh, uh, a couple of times. Um, there was a lot of I think systemic racism um, things that played out in that locker room during my tenure. Um, yes, I'm, I was aware of it, I just didn't say anything. Um, now that we're, uh, we're in a climate where these things are, are being talked about, um, yeah, I can, I can really talk about some of those things now. Um, mm. Like I said, at the end of the day, um, anybody that knows me, I have no reason to lie. Uh, what I'm telling you is the same thing I'll tell St- Steve Mariucci right now if he was on the other side of this camera. Um, but those are like I said, there, are, there were some things that happened in that locker room, and during the time that I played, um, that definitely could have been deemed p- part of systemic racism. Um, you can say a double standard, whatever the case may be for me, when a white uh, one of the, some of those guys were a different color than I was, and they were getting uh, different treatment um, than I did then for me, that's systemic racism.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you get traded to Philadelphia. You get this new contract at the time and you have a monster, I would say year and a half there in Philly. And you were, I mean, you were the toast of the town. You're doing touchdown celebrations, flapping the wings, all that kind of good stuff with Donovan McNabb and the Eagles. How would you describe your Philly
1: years? Um, bro, it was awesome. My first year there. Um, aside from the injury that I had sustained late in the season, um, man, I was I was I, I was having a, I mean, a career, uh, a season that any, any receiver could ever dream of. Um, when I look back on what uh, Jerry was able to uh, obtain and achieve with uh, quarterbacks like Steve Young and, and Joe Montana, um, for me to have now a quarterback in Donovan McNabb that could basically uh, make all the throws. Um, like I said, I could run a go route and, and not have to slow down or adjust or anything like that. I could just play freely and basically utilize my skill set to the, to the fullest. Um, When I was in San Francisco, I had to basically tailor my game around obviously the offense that we were playing and obviously the quarterback that, um, that was back there. Um, Jeff, Jeff Garcia, and you think about Donald McNabb, they're two different receivers. Um, The common thing that they have is being able to extend plays with their feet. But when you think about arm strength, that's the big difference. That's the disparity between uh, the big difference uh, between the two. Um, so, Jeff didn't have, um, he wasn't going to, he wasn't your typical pocket passer where he's going to sit back there um, and throw the ball 50, 60, 70 yards down the field. But Donovan, like I said, he has a ho- had a hose of an arm. Um, I realized that day one in training camp. And that's how we literally, that's how honestly, we started that, we started the season uh, right out the gates. Um, we played a preseason game. Um, we went. I went. 81 yards on uh, the first pass play. So that basically set the set the tone for the season. Um, I've always wanted to be utilized to the best of my ability. When Jerry, um, when they traded Jerry to uh, to the Oakland Raiders, and I basically was the guy next up to fill his shoes. I wanted to put up Jerry-like numbers every year. Um, I wanted to be able to. Exploit and take advantage of every opportunity that I could. Um, you know, with every game, uh, there were games where I felt like, um, again, I wasn't utilized to the best of my ability, and I didn't complain. I didn't complain if we won, but if we lost, and I didn't, and I, I didn't get used, or I didn't get the number of targets or touches or what have you. Um, when we lost, that was a problem because that's what they – that's what a number – that's a number one receiver's responsibility is to – and especially for somebody with my confidence is to take over games. Um, I didn't have that – I didn't have that 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 backing in a head coach or even offensive coordinators uh, to make that happen. I had defensive coordinators. I had defensive players um, that would come to me on the sidelines when I was in San Francisco and demand that I go tell coach to throw me the ball. That's how – trust me, bro. That's how bad it was, and, and everybody realized the talent that I had. Um, once I realized my skill set and I realized that I was a game changer, a playmaker, um, when I went to Philly, Andy Reid, by far the best coach that, I, that I've that in in, in, had in my career, he realized the talent that I possessed, and he utilized me to the nth degree. So when you talk about the season that I had and even the number of games um that I played in a Philly uh Philly uniform I played 20 I had I played in 21 games and had 20 touchdowns so that lets you know um number one the 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 potency of our offense um really the ability that I brought to uh the Philadelphia Eagles and that offense and that team and really a, a tribute like I said I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to do what I did um without a capable quarterback
0: and so you talk and listen Andy Reid's got a Super Bowl now and so we right. already know these, he's an offensive genius you talked about Donovan having this uh this loaded cannon of an what went wrong
1: um i, I think a lot of jealousy a lot of envy um uh, and this was brought to my attention um by a number of players um there were people within the organization on Donovan um, I, I can say – yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I, like I said, I wasn't aware of it. Um, like I said, I just, because I didn't think that that was that was the problem that was an issue. Um, but clearly, um, he felt a certain way, um, how the fans, the, the city of Philly, um, brotherly love embraced me when I started scoring touchdowns and they start, you know, chanting my name, you know, uh, after touchdowns, um, Again, looking back on it, I guess it could have rubbed him the wrong way, but we were winning, we were succeeding, um, so I didn't feel like that that should have been a reason to take it out on me or feel a certain way about me. Um, like I said, I'm not making this up. Uh, like I said, I've heard this from from a number of guys and even people that had that questioned who I was and questioned my character um, based on uh, what, how the media had portrayed me prior to coming to uh, the organization uh, and to the team. Um guys, once they got got around me to see uh, the type of person I was um, I mean I had a couple of players that come came to me and they apologized based on how they thought or how they perceived me um but once I'm on that field once I'm in that locker room, um trust me bro i'm a, I was a good teammate I'll take that to my grave uh, regardless of what anybody has to say
0: um so you know obviously i know i don't I know Donovan very well, and I, he's talked about this he One of the the points he's always brought up was your receiver doesn't make public comments about, I guess, Michael Irvin at one point made a comment that uh, you guys, talking about the Eagles, would be undefeated um, if Brett Favre was the quarterback. And I guess at the time you had co-signed that. um, Right. But, again, if you
1: listen to the transcript and you read the transcript and based on how the media edited it and basically created headlines, it could look like I was throwing him under the bus. Yeah, that, the, day that that had, the next day that that happened, trust me, I had the team captains that pulled me aside. I, I know exactly. They, they pulled me into uh, Rick, Rick Burkholders, the, who was the head trainer. They pulled me into his office. They basically confronted me about that issue. And just as you mentioned, just, just as you disclosed it, they said they came at me with the same energy. I said, look, guys, read the transcript before you judge me they both jeremiah trotter and for for sure brian dawkins they read that transcript and they understood the manner in which i answered not how the media presented it i didn't say it to throw him under the bus and then they understood how like i said maybe i should have shouldn't have said it or whatever the case might be but like i said i feel confident in who i am to now to even then to say that it wasn't a slight on donovan it wasn't me taking a swipe. In, I see how it could look that way, but the context in which I answered, it had nothing to do with me uh, comparing uh, really Donovan, uh, uh, Donovan's ability, a personal, his, his ability uh, against uh, versus uh, Brett Favre's, and I stand by that wholeheartedly. Again, he took it the wrong way. The media spent it to to make it look like um, I was taking a, a, another dig at Donovan or what have you. Um, I addressed it with uh, those team captains and they understood where I was coming from. Um, at the end of the day, that's, uh, again, if that's what he's hanging his hat on, then that's a personal problem. Um, but as, as I said, if you look at the, t- uh, the entirety uh, of the transcript, you'll understand why I said what I said. And I basically, like I said, what they, he didn't probably say and nobody hasn't said is I said, yeah, we're four and three based on that comment um, that you just mentioned, but we could have been easily six and one. Donovan was hurt. Well, the only game that we got our butts kicked was in Pittsburgh. And that's what I said. And I, and I addressed that, So that wasn't me taking a, uh, taking a swipe at him. I basically was, based on the question that was asked, based on the assessment, based on, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Michael, was it Michael Irvin's? Um, Michael Irvin. Yeah, and based Michael on his, his, yeah, comment on uh graham bensinger's question i said okay i just basically played the scenario out, out in my head i'm like yeah. okay yeah i could I, I would agree with that assessment hmm. so other than that like i said over the years man like i said we've talked about it i thought we we addressed it uh we were cool with it and then you know some months ago he came out he did this uh, the, uh did this interview with um, uh one of the guys and uh again it made it made uh headlines again and so after that bro it was like I'm done with it. I'm cool. I mean, it is what it is. If you think that's what, if that's what you want to think, then 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 go ahead. I can get petty. I can get you know nasty if I want to be. Um, at the end of the day, my 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 body of work speaks for itself. Um, like I said, if he doesn't think that I'm worthy, um, I wasn't worthy of the contract that I was trying to get. Um, I could bring up a number of things where he co-signed for Brian's contract when his was up. Me being the receiver and being who I am, he didn't co-sign for mine. Um, there's a number of things that I, 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 could, I could bring into the, to the equation. Um, I could bring up the, the performance that he had in the Super Bowl. Bro, I'm not petty like that. Um, like I said, I thought we had addressed that issue uh, sometime, uh, maybe a couple years ago, and then, like I said, it, it, it surfaces again. So uh, it just tells, tells you that, like I said, obviously it's, it's more of an issue with him than it is for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you listen, for you to break your leg, come back, for this, the playoffs and the Super Bowl, have over 100 yards receiving in that game was tremendous. Do you believe it was uh, his play, the reason why you guys didn't win that Super Bowl? I mean, it was a combination of everything.
1: Obviously, you win you win as a team, you lose as a team. Um, but again, you factor in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And and um, obviously, I was getting a lot of attention based on whether I was going to play or wasn't going to play, how healthy I was going to be um and he addressed the media saying that he didn't they didn't need me he didn't need me um but what have you so these are some of the things but like I said I never said anything about these are things that you know like I said I just I heard it and I just let it ride um but again he wants to point out you know that interview um and as I said I I addressed that um even I after that interview I went into the coach's office um I spoke to him speaking of uh Co- coach Andy Reid Um, I I explained to him what I meant. I asked him also to read the transcript. Um, He asked me to apologize uh, to the team. I did that, um, you know, um, with a press conference. And then I think Donovan wanted a personal apology. I don't know if it was him and Andy Reid, but um, I addressed the team in my public apology uh, in the press conference. And then, you know, they wanted me to do another, uh, another apology um, in front of the team uh, to Donovan. And I just thought that was overkill. When I've addressed you know, and, and basically apologized to the organization, my teammates um, within that press conference, that included Donovan himself. So I didn't feel like um, there needed to be uh, any singling out of anybody or giving anybody a personal apology. And even when the team captain saw that and heard that, um, even when I did my, uh, my public apology in the press conference, I had, like a, I had, I had some notes. Um, and he read it, and he saw that, and and in that, in in my notes, um, um, it had me apologizing personally to Donovan, and, and they they agreed. They're like, no, take that out. You shouldn't have to do that. So I think when you look at me addressing my
0: teammates, that's including him. Mm. Uh, let me ask you this: I asked I asked him this question when we had him on the show. Do you think Donovan McNabb's a Hall of Famer?
1: Ah, um, man, again, if his numbers, uh, if his numbers are are, are there um, if they say so then of course um, like I said I, I said we understand what the criteria uh, is um, like I said if he fits those fit the build and he checked those boxes according to um, who he's nominated with and um, that class then like I said there's a number of guys that they they vote in every year um, so again if the numbers say that he's a hall of famer then he's a hall of famer um, I'm not on the voter, voting committee um, I've seen how critical they've been uh of me. And like I said, that's that's it. do you you think, Daryl, do you think you guys will ever make amends? No, nah, dude, I'm I'm cool on that, bro. Like I said, I like I said, I, I felt like at one point in time that we had addressed it. I thought we were we had moved moved on beyond it. And then as I said, just uh again, well, I don't know, it was some months ago, I don't know, about eight months, I don't know when it was, about eight months ago or so um when when all this stuff surfaced and he did like uh, some interview um uh, with a guy on some uh, some platform or what have you that he had and um it surfaced again and so obviously like I said it's something personal um with him um like i said bro i'm 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 done when I'm cool anybody knows me bro and I say I'm cool I'm done I'm done it ain't nothing he can say that it ain't there's not anything anybody can say or try to put us in the same room I'm not gonna change I'm not gonna change my stance on anything because and obviously, he's shown his true colors. I've had my thoughts all along, and not to be the dead horse again. To to have it resurface and him say the things um, that he said again, I'm 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 done with it, bro. Like I said, people know who Donovan is. Like I said, some people are gonna say, uh, gonna say it, not gonna say it publicly. Um, I've had people to talk, you know, off the record. They realize and they know who Donovan is on the camera and off the camera. Um, I've witnessed it. It is what it is. Bro, he's living his life. I'm living my life. There's nothing, like I said, I got my gold jacket. There's nothing, you know, he can say or do anything about. Um, As I said, Andy Reid asked me, uh, gave me an opportunity to come to Philly. I appreciate our time. Um, I'll always say, and even when I back then, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to do what I did on the football field without him as a quarterback. I think when you ask him, and he's had uh, he's had reporters asking him about, did I make him a better quarterback? And he was gave a lot of pushback on that. He didn't want to give me credit for that. When I said, like I said, you, you're 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 a man. You can you can look at statistics, check out his statistics before and when and after I got there. And you'll see who made the big difference, um, you know, when I, when I played there in that uniform. So I don't, I don't sit here to stand and, and try to toot my horn, but I'm very confident in my ability. Um, like I said, if we could have played with Ty Detmer, Corey Detmer, any quarterback. I still would have done the same. Um, my ability didn't change with, with the uniforms that I played with. I played with, uh, I played with heart. I played with passion. Um, that's why Andy Reid wanted me to come there Um, That's why the city of uh, uh, brotherly love, um, that city loves me. They understand now over the years, I tried to address it, tried to bring attention and awareness to uh, some of the things that were being said um, about me. And like I said, he was behind the scenes. Um, I I know I'm pretty sure 99.9% why I didn't uh, continue um, my season there with the Eagles was partly because of him. Um, He didn't want, he didn't want me to come back. So, that was that.
0: Uh, so as we end your Eagles career, we got to talk about you doing them sit-ups, man, in your driveway. <laughs> when you look back on that, just that day, and uh, remember your agent, next question, next question. Meanwhile, you doing sit-ups. What
1: the heck? What man, to your mind? <laughs> Man, it was just me making light of a situation. There was, uh, again, I, I had uh, Andy Reid and I, we had bumped, uh, you know, had a little disagreement um, there. And uh, where were we at? um Allentown. Right. for yep. training camp. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had bump tests there. We had like a little altercation there and he sent me home. Um and yeah, I just tried to make light of a situation. I didn't even realize media had started kind of basically setting up shop um outside my home there in morristown New Jersey. Had somebody come knock at the door, I looked through the blinds and I'm like, dude, I see all these trucks with the antennas up. They got they got their their tripods. Everybody's setting up for, like, a press conference. Like, what is going on? And so, obviously, they had gotten the news that Andy had sent me home. Um, obviously, being uh, new to the area, being new to the team, um, where I live, wasn't a secret. Um, and so, yeah, they, they they set up shop there. And so, I just tried to make light of a situation because they, 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 they literally, they just camped out in front of my yard. Um, I went out there. I brought my ab bench out there, uh, basically just, try to, you know, uh, make, make fun of the idea that, you know, when I left, um, Andy Reid told me to stay in shape, uh, work out until they get back from training camp. So that's, that's, that's why I came up. And that's what came about with the, uh, with the app engine. adventure.